Welcome to the Hope for the Hopeless Horse podcast, where we discuss things that help you identify the root cause of your horse's pain and behavioral problems. Hashtag Hope Restored. Hey, hey, this is Margaret Parsons, and this is the first episode of Hope for the Hopeless Horse podcast. So, welcome. Uh, it takes me a bit of time to get around to this, and I've been wanting to do it for so long, so sorry for the delay. Uh, thanks for being here. Today, I just want to kind of share with you guys why I do what I do, um, because I think it's important. Uh, you know, when I look for practitioners that align with myself and my animals, uh, it helps to know why, why they chose to go to learn all the things they learn and to practice and all of that because it tells me a little bit about who they are, right? So welcome to this first episode. I hope that you get to learn a little bit about me. Uh, the first thing I will tell you is, yes, I do a lot of my talking, <laughs> including podcasting, uh, while I'm driving. So I apologize if you can hear road noise, but that is that is just the life of a on-the-road massage therapist um, moving from client to client. So bear with me. Uh, so I started with horses when I was five years old. I got to actually ride a... My first horse was a quarter horse by the name of Baby. And she was actually birthed and bred by my mother. Well, not birthed by my mother, but she was, my mom handled the foaling process, um, before or right about the time that I was born, probably a little bit before I was born, I guess. Um, anyways, so it was pretty cool for me, like looking back at it now to know that that horse, uh, came into existence because of my mother and well, so did I, <laughs> uh, she was an amazing horse. We did, uh, she did some trick riding. She was a barrel champion. Uh, when I got her, she was older. So obviously we were a good match. Uh, that, that pretty much started the, the craze. Uh, I did pony club and always thought that I would graduate pony club at the time. The, the age limit was 21. So I thought I would graduate pony club at 21 as an A graduate with my vet school knowledge under my belt and, uh, be able to go be a veterinarian. And that really didn't pan out. It wasn't really my interest long-term because I also wanted to be an Olympic show jumper. <laughs> so, uh, I do, I do still love to jump. Uh, but after high school, I chose to start a family and settle down instead of going into any kind of horse stuff, really. Um, vet school really didn't appeal to me on that level. All I wanted to do was compete. Um, but I started a family and went and became an accountant. Worked with standard bred racehorses for a very long time. Uh, my family uh, owns and breeds standard breds, races standard breds, trains standard breds. So I'm very familiar with that breed. And I enjoy working with them. So I did that for a long time. And I remember, gosh, I don't know exactly what year it was. Sometime around 2015, 20. 
15, between 15 and 17, we'll say, I saw a Facebook ad. And like, let me just preface and say that my family's standard bred horses are top of the line. My stepdad was top trainer in North America for many years. And, um, I didn't necessarily realize it, but I was working with top athletes in the, in the industry. And, you know, when you are raised around it, you don't realize that you're working with top quality, you know, um, they're just horses. They're just amazing. And so I, we always wanted to prioritize their care and I always wanted to find out what we could do to help them be optimal performers. I was always in for that. I was always trying to find the way to keep the horse just a little bit happier, just a little bit more comfortable. And so around sometime in between 2015 and 2017, I saw a post on Facebook, um, actually from a massage school, an equine massage school. And it depicted a horse that had been hit by a car and its neck was bent in ways that like, I mean, most people I know would have looked at that horse and been like, that horse needs to be euthanized right now. When in fact, what they did was uh, some x-rays didn't determine that the neck was just out of alignment and there was a lot of tension in it. So massage therapists and a chiropractor teamed up and repaired this horse. They put them back together. They straightened that neck right out and that horse made a full recovery. And I knew reading that story and seeing those pictures and seeing the evidence of how that worked that I needed to know how to do that. And so I did. <laughs> I learned how to do that. Uh, and it's amazing. It was amazing. Uh, it still is amazing. It amazes me every day. This is very much what I feel like I was meant to do. I get to um, drive around and meet new ponies and play ponies every day. And I mean, it just brings me joy. And, you know, one of the things that I really enjoy about it is being able to tell people that their horse isn't broken. Um, and that is very much what I feel called to do to help as many horses as I can to help as many people to find hope again for their horses. Um, you know, I can't save them all. And some of them, you know, really do have some serious issues that cannot necessarily be fully repaired. Um, but a, gr a good majority of the horses that I see that, you know, veterinarians have given up on, that veterinarians can't identify the issue, the chiropractor is helpful, but it's not a long-term solution. Um, horses that were performing really well, that all of a sudden just stop performing and nobody can seem to find out why. And horses that generally behave really well and then all of a sudden have all these behavioral problems, you know, maybe they're they're bucking a lot under saddle or they're just refusing to do a job that they were very confidently doing before, you know, that, that, that's not necessarily broken. That's not necessarily uh, an unsolvable problem. So I love to work with horse owners and horses that have had problems and to do some rehab work and to show people how powerful simple exercises can be. And really to just bring people, bring people joy through their own horse and, and to help the horses find comfort and peace and their ability to perform at an optimal level. Everything I ever wanted was, was what I'm doing now. So, um, in particular, this will be a quick story that I share with you and then, um, we'll wrap this up. But when I was about 12, 10 to 12, something like that. I was given a standard bred racehorse who had 
become a champion. He was a champion in his two-year-old year. Um, I think, again, in his three-year-old year even. He was really just an amazing horse. Uh, he had great times on the track, made money, um, and was just a really sweet and gentle guy, which is generally a standard bred. <laughs> They're great horses. They're very versatile uh, and very solid-minded, very steady. Anyways, um, I had been given this horse and, you know, we weren't rich when I was a kid. My parents did an amazing job spoiling me with horse shows and all of that. Um, uh, but no, we, I never, I never had a horse that cost more than a thousand dollars. Um, and really anything over $800 was atrocious. Uh, I really got freebies or very cheap horses. They were never <laughs> well-trained. Um, and I always had serviceable tack, but nothing new. Right. And same with clothes. Everything looked good, but it was, I never really got new stuff. Uh, everything was expensive and it still is right. It's only gotten worse. Um, and so I had the opportunity we gifted this horse. And so the biggest thing getting a standard bread off of the track is will they canter? Can we get them to canter because they spent their racing career being told not to canter, trained not to canter. Um, so I did get some outside help with cantering, um, from a trainer that I had taken lessons from in the past. And, uh, shortly after, you know, he had gotten his good canter and he was confident doing it. We started doing jumping and dressage and all of the things. Um, and he really developed into a nice, a nice riding horse. You know, he had a second career and he was good at what he did. He was, uh, invited to the Michigan horse expo to represent his breed, not only because he was a champion racehorse, but also because look at what he was doing with, um, you know, 12 year old little girl. Like he just took me around and um, did his job. He also was a really good babysitter for me. He, um, if I felt off balance, he would hit the brakes, which sometimes <laughs> didn't help as much as he had hoped it would. Uh, but you know, he tried and, uh, he was good at what he did. So the thing was, is that at that point in my young life, I was, um, ready to move up the levels. I was jumping two foot six with this horse and, was ready to go three foot and beyond. Um, but there were some issues when we would go into a jumping round. He would hang his legs and knock poles. He would um, struggle more than I remember when he first started to pick up the correct counter lead, to um, not rush fences. He just started to struggle. And at that point, he was... 14, 15 years old. And I just, I didn't feel that it was fair to ask him to compete at a higher level. I mean, he had already done so many amazing things in his life and he had, you know, racing is hard on horses. They, it wears their joints. It wears their their bodies down. And I didn't feel that it was fair to push him when he was already struggling. So I made the decision to get another horse, to look for another horse that was going to be able to take me up the levels. And when I did that, this horse got so 
depressed. He literally refused to eat. Um, I couldn't, like, the only thing that I could do to cheer him up was to take him out for a ride. But I had already decided, like, honey, you're done. You, you've already, you've already served your purpose. Uh, you don't need to work anymore. You know, those kinds of things. Those were my thoughts. And I felt pretty strongly about them. Um, and I really think, like, looking back, I could have been, I could have done so much worse, you know, for that horse. He was great. And, and it wasn't the wrong choice necessarily to retire him. Um, we did have to actually get rid of him, get him off the property though, because he was just, he'd given up. He was done. If he didn't have a purpose, he didn't, he didn't feel the need to eat or socialize or be healthy essentially. So we sent him to some friends that lived, um, I'm in Michigan by the way. So they, uh, the friends lived a little higher up in Michigan, um, Northern lower peninsula and they did trail riding and he would have just been a great pasture buddy for their horse and give them the second horse they needed to go out on trails. So it was a really, it was a good match for him. There was no harm done in this situation. Um, however, when I look back now, I can clearly see, and I know that those problems that he was experiencing, you know, hanging legs over fences and, um, knocking poles and struggling to pick up canner leads and, you know, just generally being off balance. I know now that all of those things, there's something that could have been done about it. And I didn't have to part with a horse that I loved, that loved his job, uh, to succeed, to compete at the level that I wanted to compete at. He could very well have kept going. He had no major joint issues. Um, you know, despite his career and despite his age, he was in really good condition and <laughs> I shouldn't have to stop with him. It broke my heart to stop with him and send him, you know, to someone else. Um, and it obviously broke his. So I do, I get a little emotional when I think about it, but he is the reason. He's the reason I do what I do because we didn't have to quit and he didn't have to be so upset and so hurt by the, by the quitting, you know? So, um, you know, I, I help horses that are older continue to compete, but I also help the younger horses, um, that are struggling because tension in the body is a problem for all ages It is a problem. No matter how old you are, uh, a lot of times people think that young horses don't need massage or chiropractic or any of the other alternative modalities. Um, but I strongly disagree with that. You know, the young horses are, <sighs> some people think this is crazy, but it's okay. Like birth trauma is a thing. All right. Um, being in a small space and coming out the horses naturally do unwind and unfurl a little bit, but sometimes they have a hard time with that process and they need a little help along the way. Um, you know, and I'm sure if you, if you're familiar with actually fulling horses and having foals around, um, sometimes they come out looking a little deformed. 
but really they just need help. They just need to release some muscle tension. Um, and that's why like a lot of times if they come, you know, these, these foals are born and their legs are crooked or, um, just not as straight as we'd like to see them. The vets will say, it's okay. Just give it a little time. Like they don't just jump immediately to surgery. Um, and so that's like massage can help with that. Can, can the easyology tape can help with that. Um, there's a lot of things that we can do to help support horses from birth till we'll say hospice, <laughs> right? Birth through hospice. It, it doesn't matter. So that is a little bit about why I do what I do. Um, and I am excited to share more with everyone about, um, what I've learned over the years, being a practitioner, um, doing massage, uh, cr cranial sacral therapy, myof myofascial release therapy, red light therapy, doing those modalities. Um, and even now learning osteopathy, uh, I'd love to talk to you guys about some of the things that maybe you don't know that, you know, uh, that could really benefit you and your horse. You know, one of the things that stands out right now is, um, all this talk of injections and we need to understand as horse people, when we're talking about injections and many other topics, really, we need to understand what we're actually doing with the treatment plan, right? So that's kind of the type of things I'd like to talk about. Um, we talk about common things that I see in terms of, I don't want to say injury, um, but restriction, movement restriction, and performance inhibitors or performance blockers, as I sometimes call them, um, things that are preventing your horse from performing at its highest level. And when I'm talking about performance, I just want to be clear from the beginning, when I'm talking about performance, performance can be anything from grandma riding her trail horse out at a walk and never going any faster than that, you know, a couple miles every week to Grand Prix like show jumping, dressage, highest levels, it doesn't matter. There is an optimal performance level for your horse, no matter what you do. And I strive to help every horse reach that optimum performance. So if those are the kinds of topics that you're interested in talking about, uh, I hope to have you here for future episodes and feel free to connect with me in my Facebook group, hope for the hopeless horse. And also at margaretparsons.com. If you have any questions or topics that you'd like to have covered, I'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, um, we will see what I come up with and I will chat with you next time. For more hope for your horse, hit the subscribe button and then head over to margaretparsons.com. And remember, hope is a mindset, not a set of circumstances. Hashtag Hope Restored.